Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shirtless Plantain Show with On The Whistle for the AFCON. Man, it's the quarterfinals. <laughs> we're here. It, to be honest, I don't, I don't know where the time has gone. I just remember the opening game and all of a sudden we're here now. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think this... This AFCON will go down in my lifetime probably so far as the best AFCON that we've seen. Just because of, you know, the, say, the saying goes, time flies when you're having fun. And so much drama has happened, you know. Um, I think the quarterfinals will not disappoint. Um, obviously, Alistair is here. He's been to probably, I would say, 80% of the games at this point. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't even know, Alistair, man. How, how you feeling? <laughs> yeah, good, man. Like... Like you said, it. We're excited. You know, even even speaking with journalists who've been doing this for a long time. You know, I was speaking to to someone from the BBC who this is his like 14th Afcon or something, covering it, wow. and he even he was like, "This is the best I've ever seen. This is the best in terms of like all the parts, the the kind of organization, the atmosphere, the football, the drama." So I mean, it's not even just us kind of with our recency bias saying, "Oh, this is the best that we've seen." But you know, like, even people who've been doing this for a long, long time said it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm on my balcony of my apartment with with the Abidjan skyline, but behind me, so apologize for any background noises. Um, I was doing an interview earlier today and it was interrupted by a by an ambulance. But uh, oh, we're, wow. we're we're looking forward to it. I cannot wait, hoping to go to at least three. I will be able to get to all four, but three of the of the quarterfinal games. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm buzzing, man. Cannot wait. Yeah, man. I mean, I think there's nowhere, there's no better place to start than the first game, which is today. By the way, we're recording on the morning of of um, of the of the quarterfinals. So yeah, this will be out, you know, um, a good few hours before the before the games. But Nigeria, man, Nigeria versus Angola. Um, I think if we're looking at if we're, if we're looking at um, a tie that's finely poised, I think this might be the most finely poised. Um, this and this and the Cape Verde, this and the Cape Verde South Africa fixture is probably the most finely poised ones because a brave man's going to call who's going to win these games. Genuinely, I'm I'm so unsure, and it's not nerves or anything. It's just the nature of the way this Afcon has has gone more than any other ones. You know, Afcon is a tournament that's always full of surprises and quote-unquote upsets kind of thing. But um, this one, genuinely, I, I'm I'm so at a loss because Nigeria have probably been the best defensively, I want to say. And Angola have played some of the best football and have a potential to score goals against anybody, basically, in this AFCON. It's, it's such a finely poised tie. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know, honestly. Asda. What, what, what do you think? Let me tell you, this is a this is a Nigerian man trying to avoid that favorites tag. <laughs> Let me tell you, because for me, this is the one tie that has the most obvious favorite. But look, even speaking with Nigerians here, the, the the favorites tag is cursed. So everyone, every Nigerian, oh, no, 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 don't say anything. We're not favorites. It's still could go on someone. Look, I, I think <laughs> I think for, which for me, I think is a it's a. Um, you know, not to not to stereotype my Nigerian brothers and sisters, but it, it feels like a departure from usually. I feel I feel like I have Nigerians are so confident, so bold in telling me that they're gonna win the Afcon, the gonna do this, that. Arrogant, right? That's the word you're looking for. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But for for me, I think what is interesting about this game 
is these are two, maybe not misunderstood, because I think we've now come to terms with what these teams are, but int- like interesting teams in unexpected ways, right? Because in Nigeria, you have this team that came into this tournament with the greatest attacking firepower, it feels like, of any country on the in the world. You know, the amount of strikers that you guys have is just bonkers, mm-hmm. is ludicrous. But actually, Nigeria, real strength has been defensive solidity, playing on the counter-attack, you know, like not creating many chances, but taking the ones you get. And, you know, really, I think they've created more chances on the counterattack than any other team. And on the flip side, you have Angola, who I think a lot of people have seen, oh, they beat Martinia 3-0 and then they thrashed Namibia. They must be this exciting, free-flowing attacking team, but they're, they're just not. They're like an incredibly, incredibly defensive team. I think coming into the tournament, they had had three nil-nil draws and had only scored three goals in like nine or ten games. Like, this is a team that is incredibly defensively solid and has one or two really creative attacking players, you know, like Jelson Dalla. Zito Lubumbo was meant to be the one who broke out this tournament. He's hardly featured. It's all been Jelson Dalla. Freddie's had a great tournament. Abolulu, you know, we talked about his glorious finish in, yeah. in the last pod. So I think for me, what I would say is Nigeria will be the favorites for this, no doubt. But I also expect this to be one of the more boring semifinals because i think mm-hmm. these are two teams that don't want to have the ball these are two teams who want to defend who want to counterattack. so i'm i'm not expecting goals i'm not expecting excitement we're it, we're in the knockouts now we're in the business end of the tournament people are not here to mess mm-hmm. about and they're not here to make mistakes and so i think i think we're not going to see as much exciting football as we did in the group stage but i think there will be drama in this game as well i think and you know nigerians there's always going to be drama like it's not going to be easy it's not going to be simple so i'm i'm really looking forward to it I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I've got any real disagreements with any of that. I think the one thing I will say though is Nigeria do have the capacity, with, even with, within the squad, we do have the capacity to take the initiative. If we do want the ball, we can do, we can do it. But I just feel like if it's not broken, don't fix it. I mean, us okay. asking Angola to break us down is probably one of the, it's probably the, the go-to strategy because I'm not sure with the way Nigeria have been defending, I'm not sure that Angola have the, I suppose, the know-how to really keep the ball and, you know, make, make quick switches of play and stuff like that. And on the counter, I feel like Nigeria can hurt anybody on the continent. So while I'm not going to call it, I do see, obviously, I do see where the favourites tags come from. But you're right, man. It's going to be, I want to say it's going to be a ball fest. And I hope it's not. But yeah, it's, it's, it's probably going to go the distance, you know, for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, the next game later on today, Congo versus Guinea, which Alistair's hoping to get to. Um, <laughs> again, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna stick my neck out and say that I think Congo will, will do it. Well, is, is is Kakuta back now? I think so. I'm not 100 percent sure, but okay. I think so. I think it's yeah. only Kayembe who's think, missing. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I think he's. I, I think with him back in the team. And the, you know the drama, the drama that they went through basically to get here. I think they've got so much, wit, like so much, um, what do you call it, momentum. That while Guinea obviously you know had had their own drama, I think Congo just are flying right now. Confidence like it's just in the sky. You know, they, put it like this: a lot of people might not remember this, but in the in the um, in the round of sixteen, they could have scored a few goals themselves, and they just missed a bunch of chances. And I feel like, you know, they might be saving those chances for this game. Guinea could be in trouble. 
But I'm sticking my neck out and say I think Congo are my favourites for this one. And I think they'll progress. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think Congo have been the best disappointing team of this tournament, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> they got three, they've got four draws from four, you know. But in mm. those four games, I think they've been the better team in all four. And I think they should have mm. won in all four. You know, you have that Zambia game where they concede the most ludicrous goal of this tournament. You know, mm. we've always got to have one shocker in the tournament. And they provided it. You know, against against Morocco, they missed a penalty, still drew on one, probably should have won that. You know, they're really defensively solid. They have excellent attackers going forward. Mishak Elia has kind of come on to the scene after not starting originally and, and has looked really good. Wisa looks sharp. Yeah, Kakuta has been, you know, an absolute baller at times, but they just have, they've always missed that, like, you know, that last finish, the last cross, you know, whatever it is, they're not quite on the same page. Whereas, whereas Guinea is the opposite, man, like super, super defensively rigid, really, really good defensively. Don't concede goals, really. Don't concede chances, but they are so bad on the ball. Oh, my goodness. Watching them against Equatorial Guinea was painful. Like, literally, mm -hmm. they just had one option, just cross it forward. So, for me, I think I, can, I cannot see Guinea scoring a goal in this game, but I can see them holding DR to, to a nil. And, again, being in that stadium... In the last game, there was 30,000-plus Guineans there. There'll be more. So this is going to be a real home game for Guinea. And we spoke about what it means to this country, you know, the emotional yeah. side of things. For me, that is also a huge thing that is going gonna, is gonna to contribute. So I think actually this game, for me, is probably the most likely to be a nil-nil and go to extra time and go to penalties mm -hmm. of all four games. For me, that this is the one that has the least amount of goals written all over it, even though I've just talked about how defensive mm -hmm. Nigeria and, and, and goal are. So I think it's going to be interesting. I yeah, like you say, I, I agree with you. I think DR Congo will be my favorites. I really like the team. I think they have a lot going for them, but they haven't shown that clinical edge. But then I say that they beat Egypt on penalties, and that's no no easy feat. So yeah, this is another. I think this one is really really close, really really tight, and I think it's going to be a boring game, but it's going to be a great spectacle. So I'm, again, I'm looking forward to it. For sure. And and again, we have to remember because the quarterfinals, quarterfinals. Each round of fixtures in the Afcon, obviously, just in any in any tournament, the jeopardy gets higher and higher and higher. But it feels as if the jeopardy has been at a hundred since match day one. Mm. There's always it always feels as if it's life and death, regardless of how if it's a dead rubber where the team's already got six points, it, it still feels like it's life and death because there's so much at stake, especially with the third best team qualifying. Um, so yeah, while obviously it might not be the the greatest watch, you're gonna feel the tension through your TVs. Do you know what I mean? It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. Um, onto the onto the host who played tomorrow um, against Mali. Um, I really like Mali. You know, I really do. I think yeah. I think they've been quietly quietly um, impressive. But you see, the thing is with being the home team and, and coming back from the brink of death is that you're just gonna feel untouchable. And I feel like Ivory Coast have the potential to overwhelm them. You know, much like the opening game where, like, it was over within the first, you know, pretty much the first 20 minutes. I see much of the same tomorrow. I think Ivory Coast are just... Ivory Coast are probably going to go to the final at this point, I think. I think it's 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 there <laughs> for them, seriously. I, I think for me, yeah, they're... I've said it a couple of times now. They're my slight favourites at, at this tournament now mm -hmm. since, since they got past Senegal, but... I think this game is so interesting on so many levels. You know, from a off the pitch perspective, I think this is a fascinating game because 
because of where it's being played, right, in Boaké. So Boaké is, is a city in, in kind of north central of, of Côte d'Ivoire, but it was the capital of the rebel uh, organi- organization, the, the new forces that, you know, Ivory Coast, for those who didn't know, had a massive civil war between 2002 and 2007, and then it kind of a second one in 2011. Um, and and Boaké was, you know, where the militants were based. It was the capital of the, the northern the northern state that kind of essentially claimed to be free, uh, free of Côte d'Ivoire. Um, and so it's this really interesting place where it's like a new modern city because it's also Côte d'Ivoire's second largest city now. It's, it's, a, it's a major kind of yeah. metropolis. But, you know, if you walk through it, you can see buildings that are still collapsed from air bombardments. You can see bullet holes. And, mm-hmm. and so it has this real significance and it has a real significance, particularly to this team, because obviously we all know about the, the story of Didier Drogba kind of playing his big role yeah. in, in ending the, 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 the Civil War with grabbed the mic uh, after they qualified for the World Cup in Sudan and kind of, uh, you know, made this brilliant appeal to the people of the country to put down their weapons. And, but one of the other things that he did which I think was not maybe as impactful, but was, you know, really important significantly was later on when he had, after the World Cup, after the 2006 AFCOM, when they made it to the final, he was the African footballer of the year. And he went on a trip to Boake, um, which at that time was still technically part of the kind of militant North because the war hadn't, hadn't ended. It had kind of ebbed and it wasn't as, you know, the fighting wasn't as intense, but it hadn't mm-hmm. ended yet. And whilst he was there, he actually made an announcement. He said that, our next World Cup qualifier, we're not going to play in Abidjan, we're going to play in Boaké. Um, And to this day, no one really knows if he was given permission to say that or if he just kind of said it because he wanted to. Um, But they did, and it was this remarkable story. You hear this kind of almost legendary story of the stadium being full of rebels on one side and government, pro-government forces on the other side, and they're like throwing back chants at each other, but it was like completely peaceful and like this amazing story of the, of them coming together to watch the national team. So I think it's this brilliant story. And I think for that reason, Boaké is really significant for this team and, and coming back to play in it. Um, but it's also significant. A lot, a lot of has... the players there, a lot, a lot, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but a lot of the players that are playing now, they were in their, you know, mid to late teens when it always happened. So it was formative yeah. for them. You know, it's it's definitely. it's a part of their DNA. Basically. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and and so the the other side of things for that makes this game interesting though is Boaké is is a, has a huge Malian community. Like, there's loads of Malians there. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, Yves Besuma was born in in Cote d'Ivoire, um, and Moussa Doumbia, their center forward, was born in Boaké. Like, this is not just a home game for for Cote d'Ivoire, but for Mali it is as well. And I think it's going to be and because they Malians knew that they would be in this game before Cote d'Ivoire did, because obviously Cote d'Ivoire would have expected to be playing. In, in Abidjan, it means that tickets-wise, I was speaking to someone who lives in Boaké, and they said we couldn't get any tickets. The game had already sold out. Wow. And so I'm expecting a lot of Malians to be there as well. I'm expecting it to be a brilliant atmosphere. So from a lot of yeah, levels, this game, yeah, it's a proper, proper derby, which, again, for an international tournament, is so rare. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, yeah, I agree with you. Mali have been the most under-the-radar really good team. And what strikes me about yeah. them is... They have, they finally found a way to make the most of their team because they don't have a lot of depth in a lot of positions, particularly up forward, they've really struggled. But they have this absolute dearth of quality in midfield. They just have like a huge amount of brilliant midfielders. And and so they've kind of built this formation. It's almost like a 4-4-2 diamond with um, uh, Jumbia up kind of playing as a false nine. And they're the one team at this tournament that I've seen, particularly in that Burkina Faso game, really be able to play through the lines. They can play through the lines so well. 
Um, and then yeah. because of that, it then lets their wing backs, not so much uh, Sako, but um, on the left wing, but Hamari Chari, the captain, bomb down the right wing. So they feel like a really well-balanced team. But of course, Cote d'Ivoire are going to be riding on this huge high. They're going to have all, you know, loads of fat. So I think that for me, that's the tie of the round. I think it's going to be so, I think it's going to be brilliant on the pitch. I think it's going to be brilliant off of it. And I think it's, we're going to see more drama because I think his Malian team is really, really good. And so, yeah, again, it's all of these quarterfinals are so close to call. And and I think this one is, oh, it's going to be, yeah, I cannot wait. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, um, Cape Verde versus South Africa will round up the, the quarters. Um, like I said before, Angola, Nigeria, to my mind at least, you know, is, is the other final point is tied. This is the one that I would just have to flip a coin on this one, genuinely. Like, genuinely, I would just have to flip a coin. There is, I think South Africa, because of the way they beat Egypt, it was really, really impressive. You know, um, you know they scored two really fantastic goals. I'll tell you what else, actually. Set pieces at this AFCON have been out of this world. You know, they've been superb, actually, to be fair. Some of the delivery I've seen and some of the... Some of the positions that, um, you know, uh, the attacking teams have taken up have just been ridiculous. So, 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 so good. And it's it's a it's a genuinely a viable tactic that, okay, if we're not going to score from open play, let's put all our eggs in our basket from set pieces and see what we can get. And the fruits are, the fruits are bearing. I mean, I think South Africa, to me, have arguably played some of the best football and Cape Verde absolutely have played the best football, I think. So I'm hoping both teams back themselves and go for it. I'm, I'm, this could be the one tie where I feel as if it could be high scoring because both teams really believe that they've got so much firepower going for they can hurt each other. So I'm, that's what I'm praying for. I mean, I'm curious to know what you think there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've spoken a lot about teams that want don't want the ball, want to play defensively on the mm-hmm. counterattack. I think these are two teams that want to play on the ball. I think South Africa have a bit more mm-hmm. variety, and we saw that in the game against Morocco, they were able to sit deep, defend. But really, this team wants to be on the ball, particularly, you know, they, the core of this team, we've spoken about it before, plays for Mamelodi mm-hmm. Sundowns, a really possession-dominant club team. And we saw it against Namibia, the kind of interchange, the, the, the kind of understanding yeah. these players have with each other. And I said... Prior to this tournament, oops, sorry, I said prior to this tournament that the one issue South Africa had was center forward. And if they mm-hmm. had, you know, Lyle Foster fit and, and firing, or if they had Peter Shalalile, who, who's Namibian, but plays for Mamelodi Sundowns, they would get to the semifinals. But to be fair, Evidence Mokopa, who I didn't back, scored a brilliant goal mm-hmm. against Morocco and has actually been really good. And so I, I agree with you. This is the one game where I think there there is going to be you know, it's going to be more exciting, I think, on the pitch. I think there's going to be a lot more attacking football because Cape Verde have shown that, you know, it doesn't matter who they play. They can be defensively resolute, but they want to play. They want to play football. They want to get the ball into those wingers. They want to isolate people. They want to, you know, bring in Montero to come up further up the pitch and, and kind of support Bebe it kind of as a second striker almost. You know, this is a team that wants to play good football. So I think I agree with you. I think for me, South Africa have to be the, the favorites, but only narrowly only only narrowly because Cape Verde have shown time and time again that they can play and they can beat some of the best teams and so I think for me this is on the pitch I think this is the most compelling game I think it's attacking football now you know like we said when things get nervous when things matter when we're you know everything is on the line in a quarterfinal and the way that it isn't in the group stage 
maybe these teams play more defensively and, and we get a, a kind of a, a boring game on the pitch. But I do agree with you. I think in terms of the games on the pitch, this is this is going to be the best one. Yeah. Um, I mean, now, now obviously, like, there's serious, serious business that has started. Um, I suppose now is a good time for us to suppose, start talking about potentially, because a lot of games are playing potentially, like, players of the tournament so far. Um for me, um, I think despite their their rocky and their turbulent time getting there, I think if I'm looking at the players that have impressed me the most, especially in, at, at Ivory Coast, I'm gonna it's gonna be some crazy things, but I'm gonna say Serge Aurea for me has been up there. He's arguably been the one of the that arguably the best right back of the tournament or one of the best right backs of the tournament in midfield. Um, Fofana has been hot and cold, but on the other hand. Um, I want to say Sangare has actually been really good as well. Um, in terms of Nigeria, it's all, it's obviously going to be a defender. Chuste Kong has been a rock. He's literally just been a wall. He's been immense to me the best at the back at the best at the back at the, at the Afcon for sure for me. Um, at, I suppose Ivory Coast. I love Percy Tar. I'm always going to love Percy Tar. I think he's just such a class player. I think showing that he's age as well. He doesn't seem to be waning. Um, I think at Cape Verde, Bebe is Bebe is the obvious one as well for me. I think again at his age as well. I'm looking at these players. I'm thinking like the intensity of the heat, intensity of the games as well. But they're showing up that they're just actually just showing that look, we're here, we're here. Man. Who who's been some of your the players that that have caught your eye? That's that's a hard one. I think if if Cote d'Ivoire win it. And things don't change in terms of who's been the stars. I think Seko Fofana will get it because I think yeah. he's been their best player. And I think for him, even the games where he hasn't been great, like the Nigeria game in particular, mm-hmm. he's still been the only one trying to do stuff. Now he tried to do too mm-hmm. much. You know, he's taking shots from ludicrous places, but mm-hmm. it felt like he was the only way forward. Now things might be different now that they have a Dingra and Aller back if they both start, presuming yeah. so. But for me, if, if Cote d'Ivoire win, I, I think Trista Kong, man, you're, you're spot on. I don't think a defender will ever get player of the tournament, sadly. But I think if anyone did deserve it, it would be him. He's been, like you said, immense, a huge leader. And like, so unexpected. Like, I remember I tried to interview him before the tournament and I was in touch with his team, Pauk. And essentially they told me like, oh, well, you can do the interview, presuming he gets selected. Like, so clearly even wow. from his end, he didn't even think, you know, he thought there's a chance I don't even get selected for this team. Um, now they didn't end up letting us do the interview anyway, so I'm not happy about that. But I think it, <laughs> it it speaks to it speaks to you know what a journey he's been on in terms of being this leader of this team because yeah he didn't even know if he would be selected for the tournament, um, mm-hmm. which I think was interesting. So I think he's a, he's a strong chat. I think look obviously players of the tournament it always depends on how far you go. If if Angola find a way to beat Nigeria, Jelson Dalla has been superb as has Freddie. Yeah. From Cape, Cape Verde, there's a whole list of players you could pick. You know, I think yeah. Logan Costa has been fantastic. I think Kevin Pina has been brilliant. Jamiro Montero and, you know, Bebe, I think, has obviously caught the headlines. But I actually think, you know, the likes of Giovanni Cabral have probably been better. Ryan Mendes. Like, for me, Cape Verde is such, like, a, a team. Like, it's hard to pick out players. Whereas mm-hmm. South Africa, Tebojo Mekweno, you know, scored that brilliant free kick. But he's been so good this tournament. Like, breaking up play, creative outlet. Temba Zwane's had a good tournament. Ronald Williams has been you know, arguably the keeper of the tournament, and in my opinion, especially now that Esso Sawono is, is is no longer with us. So it's yeah, it's there's been a lot of individuals that have been, you know, 
taking the headlines. Obviously, again, with Nigeria, like if they win it, I think it's almost impossible for Aussie men not to get it, even if he doesn't deserve it. Um, and I, I say that as I someone mean, who's actually he, been super impressed by him, uh, even though he hasn't hmm. scored that many goals. I, I think he's been terrific every time I watched him. You know, there was a game. What, what game was it? I think it was, okay, it was the Ivory Coast game. He got man of the match. And yeah. I was like, hold that on, game was... he, won, he won the penalty. Criminal. But holding the holding the holding the damn second because yeah. outside of that he was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. That was the one game up to that point. I thought that the players they'd given man of the match to was surprisingly really good. Like usually they just give it to whoever mm. scores. Um, and like yeah. that they've been picking players. Like probably my favorite player of this tournament is Gima, the the Mozambican midfielder. I thought he was brilliant. He got given it one game. Stuff like that where I'm like, wow, this is Kaf is actually watching the game. You know, they're not. But and then mm. that was the one game where I'm like, actually. The guy who scored the only goal deserves it because it was immense. <laughs> yeah. And then they give it to yeah. Ozzyman. I'm like, guys, come on. Like <laughs> the one the one game where he wasn't good and you have a very clear favorite because the one guy who scored a goal also was a brilliant defender. But yeah. So I think I think it'll be I think the one thing about this tournament is there hasn't been a player who's taken the, the tournament by the scruff of the neck. But having said that, mm. I would have said that about the last AFCON as well. Like Sadio Mane was absolutely nowhere to be seen until the round of 16 quarterfinals. And I think it was that game against Equatorial Guinea where he kind of switched on and really kind of started. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the group stage, I thought he was dreadful. Like, Hmm. but yeah, I I don't tend to hold much stock in player of the tournament awards given by the the hosting federation or whatever, because I think it tends to just be nonsense. It's whoever is kind of the biggest name. Um, Exactly. Um, But I do think it's interesting seeing the players who have been like surprises and have been performing above expectation. Hmm. All right, I think guys we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, yeah, make sure make sure you follow on the whistle. Make sure you follow us at the Plantain Show on all the platforms, TikTok, Instagram, all of the good all of the good stuff. Um, we will be back previewing and talking about the quarterfinals. Um, so yeah, follow us up. Uh, I've been coach. I've been, been Alistair. <laughs> sorry, I keep right. getting this ending wrong, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I get it wrong every time. Peace, whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>